What follows is message number three of five of the Fall 2014 College Conference in Latham Springs, Texas. Conference title is A Vision of Christ in the Church. Message title is The Precious Blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to uh, be here this weekend and to uh, come away from everything else, come away to a Caesarea Philippi where we can come up to a high mountain and we can have a heavenly vision, right? And uh, for all of our divine seeing, we need the eyes of our heart enlightened, right? And we need to uh, have our spiritual vision with the veils taken away so that we can have a fresh seeing of God's eternal purpose. And we got to have a quick... uh, Uh, opening last night to see what is God's eternal purpose, and that is to have many sons expressing Him, right? Uh, Isn't it good to be a son expressing the Father? Praise the Lord, right? So this weekend we're here to see more about God's purpose, and uh, in the next uh, three meetings, plus what you shared this morning, we're going to see that there are four divine provisions given to us to carry out God's purpose. So this morning, if you could sum up the first divine provision, what would you say? It's the Word, right? So the first divine provision that we all spoke on is the Word. And if you look at hymn number one in your yellow book there, you'll see that this uh, phraseology I'm using comes directly from that hymn there. Uh, There's four provisions given to us. Uh, There it says, we have the equipment that we need. The equipment that we need. And so we have to have these four wonderful things in order for God to carry out His purpose on the earth. And the first one here is the Word of God, which I enjoyed so much in the group cluster and company I was in, all the heavenly speaking about the Word, right? We need an attitude when we come to the Word, right? A particular kind of attitude. Uh, And eventually, with the proper attitude, we can get life and light from the Word, right? So marvelous. So next, we want to see in this coming message here, the matter of the blood, The blood of Christ, uh, such a solid foundation for our whole Christian life. Uh, This blood enacted the new covenant. This blood speaks better for us. This blood uh, defeats the enemy. And this blood will be an eternal memorial in the new Jerusalem. Seen Seen sitting on the throne is one called the Lamb of God. For eternity, the Lamb will be there on the throne. Can you believe? Even after our sins are blotted out, and the Bible tells us in Isaiah, even the memory will be gone. So the sins that we are today still entangled with, in that day, in eternity future, though the sins will be eradicated, there'll still be one on the throne called the Lamb of God, which will be an eternal memorial for the sacrifice He did and the enactment of the new covenant in which we are enjoying for eternity. Hallelujah, right? Okay, so we have the Word, the blood. What else do we have? Tonight we will see the Spirit. Hallelujah for the Spirit, right? Oh, there's so much to see regarding the Spirit, right? The application of this rich Christ, okay? 
And then finally, what's the last piece of equipment? We will see the church. So we have to be impressed this weekend that the Lord is giving us four pieces of divine equipment in order to carry out His eternal purpose, right? Uh, so we, this is kind of a quick overview of the rest of this weekend. We've seen the Word this morning. We'll cover the blood now. We'll see the Spirit tonight, and we'll see the church in the morning, okay? And uh, this is what the Lord is giving us to carry out His purpose, okay? So all of these are crucial uh, in our Christian experience so that we can go on and fulfill God's purpose. So let's get right into this matter of the blood of Christ. Our time is quite limited, so we're going to do as, as thorough a uh, job as we can here on this matter of the blood. Praise the Lord for the blood of Christ. Oh, precious is the flow, right? Precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. Uh, you know, the most important thing about the blood is to use it, to apply it. We're going to talk a lot of things about the blood, and I've thought about this quite a bit. But the most important thing about the blood of Christ is for us today, as Christians today, to know how to apply it. Praise the Lord for the blood. The blood of Christ shed for me. Right? This is what the blood is for. So, uh, what we have here is we have three Roman numerals in this outline here. The first one is going to be on the objective side of the blood. The second Roman numeral is on the subjective side. And then the third Roman numeral is concerning the regular application. Okay? You got it? Objective, subjective, and the regular application. Okay? This is, uh, should be entitled message number three, I believe. Is that right? Okay. Um, you know, the blood is so applicable. The blood that was shed by Christ in time... 2,000 years today to us is still so applicable. And that's what's so important about this blood is today we can apply it, okay? Uh, so let's look at a few things regarding the matter uh, of the objective side of this blood. Let's read Roman number one all together. Ready? Go. Uh, this sacrifice obtained for us an eternal redemption. And uh, we have to realize, you know, when, when Jesus was on the cross and he shed his blood, that according to God, there was a certain estimation of that blood. That blood to God meant everything. That was the blood of his son, and his son poured out that blood for the sins of many, and that blood enacted a new covenant. It initiated a new covenant. Uh, in Hebrews it tells us, uh, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, a way was cut and opened, and that veil represented the flesh of Christ. And when that flesh got rent, there was a way opened finally for man to enter into God and for God to meet with man. And the picture in the Old Testament there uh, in Exodus 25, 22, Jehovah said there, said, there will I meet with you. There will I meet with you. So at that place, when the veil was rent and a way was opened into the Holy of Holies, finally man could meet with God because that blood got shed. Okay? 
So we have to be impressed with that. Let's read Hebrews 10.4. Ready? Go. And then John 1.29. Go. So the first thing we have to be impressed with is in the Old Testament, we have to realize that these sins were simply covered. They were covered, all right? Uh, and this was, at that time, good because the people had to have some way to atone for their sins. And when they would bring animal sacrifices, those sins would be covered over. But just because something is covered over here, I'm going to put this right here. Uh, Okay, let's say this is your sin here, and, uh, and you're in the Old Testament. You bring a sacrifice, and the thing about that sacrifice here is you just, you just cover it. But it got covered, but where's the sin? It's still there, right? It's still there. And the best example, I think, that's been used is you know, these sins in the Old Testament are like, um, and the sacrifices that were made are like a credit card. Okay? And today, when you want to go buy something but you don't have any cash, what do you do? Swipe. Swipe. How good are y'all are swiping? How easy is it to swipe? Uh, you know, um, I have a wife and four girls, and, you know, it's a real challenge because they love to swipe, (laughs) and it's amazing in a single day, it's just like, for one of my swipes with theirs, it's like, swipe, 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 (laughs) swipe. So the problem is... There's a temporary promise to pay, but the debt is still there. And the debt of our sin, in the Old Testament anyway, uh, there was, through those blood of bulls and goats, a promissory note was given that these sins will be taken care of one day. The payment is coming. When you swipe the card, you're promising a bank, whoever issues your card, that one day you will pay that bill. That's what, and then you sign. Usually there's a paper that you sign. Some of them you don't now. But anyway, mostly you sign the paper to say, I promise to pay the debt. Well, the debt of sin uh, just got larger and larger and larger. But there was a big promise to pay. Isn't that something, right? And so the Old Testament, how many animals were sacrificed? Another one, another one. And you have to consider, even in our own lives, how many, how many sins do we commit in a day? How many sins do you think? Too many. A lot of sins that we incur a great debt, right? There's a great debt. And in the Old Testament, all they could do was bring an animal sacrifice again and again. I guess sometimes they would say, honey, this time i got to bring a bull. That was a really big one. They'd bring that bull. 
They would give the bull to the priest. The priest would lay hands on the, on the bull, and they would slaughter that bull. And that priest would lay hands to identify with the sacrifice of that bull because Ezekiel 18.20 says clearly, the soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall die. So if you sinned according to God's righteous law, what should have happened to you? You should die. That's the law. But God brought in a provision with the sacrifices. And the sacrifices then in the Old Testament were brought to the priest. And the priest would lay their hands on the head of the sacrifice so that they could identify with that animal which was being sacrificed. And so instead of the priest or the person bringing the sacrifice dying, the animal died as a substitute for that person. Do you understand? So, first of all, point number one, the soul who sins shall die. That's kind of rough, isn't it? That means that something's got to die for the sin. And then Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no sacrifice for sin. No forgiveness of sin. No forgiveness. So without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So these Old Testament animals were just promissory notes promising that one day full payment will be made. Well, praise the Lord, one day there was full payment, right? And we know that when the Lord Jesus came, He came as the final, complete, and total sacrifice for all of man's sins, both past, present, and future. And so that blood became the blood of an eternal covenant. Okay, we have to realize how significant that is, okay? So that blood is a marvelous blood. Okay, so in John 1.29, I want you to underline the word, takes away. Behold the Lamb of God who what? Takes away. Say that. Takes away. The, the blood of Christ takes away our sin. He takes away our sin. I didn't look it up, but I believe the verse Micah 7.19 tells us that our sin is cast into the bottom of the sea. Can you believe that? And then uh, Psalm. Uh, which one? It says that our sin is as far as, as the east is from the west. Um, yeah, I think it's Psalm 103.12, but that's a guess. Anyway, um, but our sin has been removed so far. Based on what? Based on the blood of Christ. So that, that person, the Lamb of God, from the Old Testament, the sin was just covered. In the New Testament, praise the Lord, it is taken away. Very wonderful, right? Okay. Um, all right, let's move along quickly here. Let's do this, Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. Let's alternate. How about brothers start 11, 12, sisters, and so forth. Ready? Brothers, go. <coughs> brothers.
So you see here in the book of Hebrews, there's a great contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And here, the writer is telling us, I love verse 14, and you should underline, how much more, how much more with the blood of Christ, you should underline that, how much more with the blood of Christ, uh, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience. Uh, And let me just say a word here for a moment. Listen, you know, of course today... As in ages past, everyone is a sinner. And guess what sinners do? They sin. You know, we're just a sin tree. And in our lives, guess what we produce? Sins. And we're really good at it. As a matter of fact, we don't even have to try. Sins come out of us. Uh, I read one time, like sweat comes out of our pores. That's how easily sin comes out of us. How about your thought life today? How about your thoughts, brothers? How about if we could take every thought that you had, David, every thought, and put it on a big screen? And then all of us in here would watch that big screen. How would you feel about that? Not too good, yeah. And I dare say any one of us. Right? All of us are the same, David. You're not singled out. We're all the same because we know. We know what's within man. You know, the Lord says what's within man that comes out, that's which defiles the man. So, listen, all of us, we have to confess we're sinners. And praise the Lord, we are saved by grace, right? But we're saved by grace based on the wonderful blood of Christ. And so I just want to say a word about this matter of purifying our conscience. Uh, We live in an age where there's a lot of sin that takes place. And I believe today, especially with the advent of the personal computer and now many other electronic devices, uh, there's a lot of hidden sins that take place. And with these hidden sins, the conscience gets defiled. And when the conscience gets defiled, then basically all the life that you may have of enjoying, enjoying Christ leaks away. And so when your conscience is defiled and it's not pure, there's no way to carry out God's purpose. Because the conscience is a very important matter in our Christian life. And to maintain a pure conscience and a good conscience is very important in order to carry out God's purpose. So in order to have a conscience that's purified, we need something very important, and that is the blood of Christ. Uh, And we not only need it, we need to apply it, right? So this blood has been shed for us. It's highly valued by God. It's available to us, but the question is, will we apply it? So this blood is there, it's available, and... I would just say this, you know, through the many years, um, I've met different persons, psychiatrists and psychologists. I met one psychiatrist, and I asked him one day. He he has a practice set up in Austin, Texas, where I'm from. I said, what do you do with people in their tremendous wrongdoings that occur in their life? And... He said, well, I just I prescribe medication. I said, is that all? He said, that's all I have. 
All he has are bottles of pills, lots of pills, mountains of pills. But you know what? None of those can take away sin. None of those can take away sins. And it's interesting. He told me, he said, I have people that tell me, you know, they take multiple showers a day, physical showers. They take showers after showers after showers. And he, he told me, I, I asked him, I said, why? He said, because they tell me they feel so dirty. They feel so dirty. And it's because their conscience is defiled. And nothing can take away that defilement except the blood of Christ. Saints, we have to be so thankful and we have to value so highly and we have to esteem so highly the precious blood of Jesus, which can take away sin. That's why we can sing so joyfully. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, saints, we have the blood. So wonderful. Okay, then 2 Corinthians 5.21, let's read that. Go. So, so this one who did not know sin, he was made sin on our behalf. This is so wonderful, okay? Then moving on quickly, Hebrews 9.28, go. Praise the Lord, offered once, one time, one sacrifice, one sacrifice paid it all. Praise the Lord to bear the sins of the many, right? Okay, then quickly, 1 John 1, 7. Okay, you can circle the word Jesus. Jesus indicates this wonderful person in his humanity. He was both a man and then also in this same phrase it says, his son. His son indicates his divinity. So as a man, our Christ lived a perfect life human life. Not one flaw, not one evil thought, not one sin ever in 33 and a half years ever came out of this person. He was a perfect man. In his humanity there was not a word that came out. Not an action, not a thought. This was a perfect man. And yet, if he were only a man, he could have only died for one person. But praise the Lord, he was also God. Jesus, his son. So his son shows us this was his divinity. And you know what the proof is that this one was perfect? What's the proof? How do we know? I mean, the Bible tells us he was he, nothing came out of his, no guile was found in his mouth, and so many other things. But how do we know that he was perfect? You know how we know? On the third day, he arose. That resurrection of our Lord Jesus is the proof that God accepted that sacrifice. And that today, 
We have a spotless lamb. Praise the Lord, right? So marvelous. So we have to be impressed with this. Okay, uh, then Acts twenty twenty eight. Let's read this. So the church, which is going to be the fourth piece of equipment, tomorrow we're going to see that church, which was so precious to God, was purchased by Him, was bought by Him with His precious blood. He paid the price for her by pouring out His blood, okay? Then, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, let's read these, go. Jose. Thank you, brother. Okay, circle precious blood. Precious blood. Now, it's, it, it's wonderful that it's in the book of Peter that this is written. Because if you read the New Testament again and again, we all can identify so well with Peter. Peter, our beloved brother, uh, the thing that's so wonderful about the New Testament, it's so transparent concerning the person of Peter. And... If you just look very objectively about Peter's life in the New Testament, you could just say he made a lot of mistakes. How big were his mistakes? I mean, he tried to keep Jesus from going to the cross. I mean, that's a small one. I mean, he, uh, the, the list just goes on and on and on. He was argue, I mean, arguing who's greater. Should we pay the temple tax? Uh, the list just just so many stories about Peter. So Peter, of all people, when the Lord died on the cross, surely something happened in Peter's realization. He had to have remembered the word that the Lord spoke to them. And he could use this phrase in the New Testament, in his book, precious book, precious blood, right? We were redeemed with precious blood. As of a lamb. And then he says himself, without blemish and without spot. Say that. Without blemish and without spot. Can you imagine there was a man without blemish and without spot? Well, this is our Christ. Hallelujah, right? We have such a one. Okay. Now, quickly, we're going to move on to Roman numeral 2 and see three aspects of the effectiveness of the blood of Christ. It's towards three parties. Three parties, those three parties are who? Number one, God. Number two, man. And number three, Satan, right? Three parties that this blood is effective toward. All right. Uh, So let's read letter A. Ready? Go. Okay. God himself had a large standard. And he had a righteous requirement that had to be fulfilled. So this is a big deal because without the righteous requirement fulfilled, uh, no way we could be saved. Okay, so let's read Hebrews 9.22. We've mentioned it, but let's read it. Go. Right, without shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So, uh, let's see if we can work out this uh, situation here. Okay, um, you are driving down the road. Come on up, David. 
You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, woo! All right? You get pulled over, and you were speeding. Yeah, it's rough, isn't it? And uh, there you go, son. Sign the ticket. Yeah, okay. So, all right. So come on over here. So David, now, now David has a problem with the law. He's got a problem. He's got a righteous problem. He was exceeding the speed limit. And as a result, he now, he owes a fine. And unless that fine gets paid, what happens to him? Yeah, there's a lot of negative ramifications here. So uh, he's got a problem. And not only so, he's got a ticket in his hand to remind him of the problem. And he's got some dates set on there in which he's going to have to go and appear before the righteous judge. Right? So, um, this, is, this is God the Father here. God today is the righteous judge. And all of us, uh, <laughs> all of us, we got lots of tickets in our hands, right? And uh, he's righteous. We're unrighteous. And unless something happens... We're not going to be able to pay this debt. So we have to realize that toward God, something happened with Christ. When He came in and He was faithful to fulfill the Father's word and the Father's will and go to the cross, praise the Lord, and died on the cross for our sin, He righteously took care of our problem with God the Father. And He paid the debt that all of us owed, so that today, God in His righteousness could forgive us. So, today, praise the Lord, sin is taken away based on the blood of Christ. And so the Father now is satisfied, His righteous requirement is satisfied with the righteous blood of Christ. Okay, thank you, David. So we have to realize this, this is a big thing. Otherwise... Uh, we would be there lost in our unrighteousness. But this blood is a righteous blood, and this blood takes care of our, the, the situation with God who is righteous and has a righteous law that must be fulfilled in order for us to enjoy a, a forgiven life, right? Okay, so uh, we have to realize Jesus paid the penalty. And this released us from the custody of the law. The law was there, and it was holding us. And it would have held us forever unless Christ had come and paid that price and released us from that custody. So this sacrifice, once for all sacrifice, released us from the custody of the law. Okay, praise the Lord, right? All right, Romans 3.24, let's go. Okay, and then Hebrews 1, 3, go. Okay, when, you know, when, when it says they're sat down, that means the job is finished. It's completed. He sat down forever, praise the Lord, on the right hand of the majesty on high. And then Hebrews eight 12, let's read this, go. 
Of course, here in Hebrews 8, this is uh, repeating the reality of the new covenant from Jeremiah 31. And that is, once our sins are forgiven by God, they are forgotten. The problem is, our memory. We have a fallen memory. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I have a fallen memory. I need the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you. You died for me. Amen. So the problem is, God, you know, once we confess our sin, He forgets. And I think sometimes we don't even believe that. But actually, this is God's Word, which is the truth. And part of the promise of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, which is repeated here in Hebrews chapter 8, is he says, Their sins I will by no means remember any more. Wow. What a blood. And what a promise, right? That through this righteous act, something could be done which would erase our sin in the memory of God. Um, I think it's not as much nowadays, but 10 years ago, 15 years ago, on your computer, if you're working, and somebody came along and kicked the computer or your computer froze up, you know, on the RAM, the random access memory, for those of you who are techies, uh, you would lose everything. And I have one famous experience where I was up <coughs> working on a computer uh, typing a program for about eight hours one night in school. And I was up on campus, and then I had almost finished it. I was down to the last little section, and all of a sudden the computer just froze. It just froze. And my heart just fell into my shoes. And I was, you know, before I started punching any buttons, I was like, Lord Jesus. And I was hoping I was just going to hit the escape button and was going to, you know, pop back up. Nothing. It was done. Because before, <laughs> before what the systems they have now, most of them will save automatically. But in those days, it, they weren't that advanced. And so you just lost everything. And so I lost the whole program, and I just walked out of the building, and I was a very sad student. <laughs> but in the positive realm, you know what? When, the, when we confess our sins, the Lord forgets. He does not remember anymore. The problem is we remember. The problem is we hold account. So we have to have a renewed mind and realize the mind of Christ is forgetting all those confessed sins. Praise the Lord, right? We need to practice not reminding Him of those things that we remember, but practice forgetting all the things which have been confessed, okay? All right, moving on quickly. Letter B, the second party that this blood is effective toward is toward man. Let's read B. Go. Ephesians 1, 7, go. (laughs) 
And Acts 10.43, go. So the first thing that sin does to man is it gives us guilt. We're guilty. Uh, and some people are, uh, even as a college student, have been in the realm of sin so much, they're heavy laden with guilt. Guilt is a crushing thing. And guilt can even inwardly destroy someone. But the blood of Christ is so powerful. It's so prevailing. It's so effective. And by a simple application and believing of the blood, the guilt of sin can be eradicated. Then not only so, not only the guilt, but even the stain of sin. The stain of sin, which is the distant memory. The stain. You know... uh, Stains can be very annoying. And as someone who has to wear white short shirts more than I want to, um, I, I get stains. And on this white shirt here, I have a stain. You can't see it, but I can. And it's right here. And I ate something chocolate. At, at this point, it's many months ago. And I have washed this shirt, and I have done everything I can. But I still have a little stain right here on this shirt. And the stain, you know what it does? Is it brings back the memory. I look at this shirt and I go, oh yeah, that chocolate I ate. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. Got some for later today here. It brings back the memory. And the memory is not a good thing in the realm of sin. We don't want those kind of memories. But you know what? The blood of Christ can even remove the stain of sin. It's so marvelous. As we enjoy this precious blood, even the stain of sin can be removed. Is that marvelous? Oh, brothers and sisters, hallelujah! The guilt and stain of sin can be removed. Wow, this is so wonderful. So, This is towards man. You know, we can now live a Christian life with boldness, with joy, because those things of the past, the sins of the past can be removed. And the memory of those sins can be removed by our enjoying the present application of the blood of Christ. Okay. Hebrews 9.14 Again, we won't read it this time, but just circle, purify our conscience. Hallelujah. You know, in the example with uh, the law court and the policeman, you can tear up the receipt. When you apply the blood of Christ, the debt is paid, the ticket's over, just tear the receipt. It's over. The debt has been paid. And this is what's so wonderful about the precious blood of Christ, okay? Uh, Revelation 1.5, go. You know, to say has released us indicates that formerly we were in bondage. You know, sin is a master 
To the unbelievers, it's their master. And when sin commands them to do something, they do it immediately as a slave would. Because all of us, apart from Christ, are a slave to sin. We're a slave to sin, and we need something that will release us from that bondage and that slavery. And that wonderful element is the blood of Christ. That will release us from the slavery of sin. So this verse here in Revelation is so wonderful. It says, To him who loves us and has released us from our sins. Right? By his blood. So this blood then becomes a great release to us out of any slavery that we were in. All right, 1 John 1, 7, go. Yes, cleanses us from every sin. You know, when we confess something, I just would like to ask this to make it very clear. How many times should we confess it? Okay, say that loudly. One time. Sometimes we mistake the enemy's accusing voice for the Lord speaking to us. And the enemy would like us to do what? Confess something again and again and again. As if the first time we confessed it, it wasn't good enough. Or the enemy will come to lie and say, you didn't confess it thoroughly enough. You didn't confess it in a total way. You didn't really mean that confession. You didn't, uh, how many lies does the enemy speak to us? Continually he's lying to us. But brothers and sisters, we confess it once and that sin is taken away. That sin is removed and we are released from that. So we have to learn to stand on that word, okay? All right, then let her see here. Uh, Finally, the third person it is effective towards is that little rascal, Satan. Okay, read, read C together. Go. Okay, let's read through Zechariah here. Brothers first, one, two, three, four, alternate. Brothers, go. Go, sisters. Okay, brothers. Okay, sisters, strongly. Amen. Okay, so here what we see is uh, Zachari- uh, Joshua, uh, the high priest, he's standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan is there doing what? Satan is resisting and accusing, and that's his job. That's what he does. He resists and he accuses constantly. He resists us and he accuses us day and night before the throne. To you and to God. He's just the accuser of the brethren. 
And you have to, uh, for a moment here, consider Satan and realize what he does. This is his only job today is to resist the brethren and accuse them before our God. He likes to resist and accuse. And, you know, I love the response here in verse 2. What did the Lord say? And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem. So this kind of rebuking, I would say, in our Christian experience, we have to learn how to practice and say, Satan, Jesus is Lord. Satan, you're right. I'm rotten. I'm really bad. As a matter of fact, I'm worse than you're saying I am. But Jesus is Lord. And I have the precious blood of Christ. I don't know how many of you have practiced speaking to Satan in this way. But as a Christian, if you want your spirit to grow stronger, you have to practice this once in a while. You have to learn how to tell the devil to flee from you. Sometimes you have to say, Satan, get out of here. I have the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus' blood is shed for me. When you learn to speak in this way, you know what? Satan has to flee. He has to get away. The blood of Christ is powerful. If you begin to speak about the resurrected Christ, about the blood shed for us, Satan will be gone. Okay, we have to practice this. All right. Then Romans 8, let's read this. Go. I love this because verse 33 says, Who shall bring against a charge against God's chosen ones? Well, we know in our experience, Satan wants to bring charges against us all the time. And so I want us to take a moment and consider, how do we know the difference between the Lord's enlightenment and Satan's accusation? How do we know? Okay, I'm just going to put here, Satan and the Lord, okay? When... Satan is there accusing us or bringing a charge against us. We feel drained. That's typically the way you feel. You just feel drained. When the Lord is speaking to you, even if it's a charge, even even if it's a conviction by the Spirit, you feel supplied. from the speaking spirit. With Satan, usually the accusation or charge is general. Very general. You're lousy. You're a loser. You're pathetic. You don't belong here. What are you doing with all these brothers and sisters who love the Lord? You know you're a farce. You're pathetic. Why don't you go home? General General, general. The Lord speaking in His light is very specific. I was telling some brothers earlier today, I was this morning, I was chewing on a verse, enjoying a verse very much, and 
I really got the Lord's direct shining and speaking about something that happened the day before, and I realized, up, oh, I was out of bounds. I was wrong. And I had to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious blood. As I was chewing on that verse, I was very clear. Um, I had said something to someone, and it was wrong. It wasn't a big thing. But you know what? It was outside of the realm of the Spirit. And so I had to confess that. And I realized, thank you, Lord, for your speaking. You know what? Through that speaking, I actually got supplied. I got strengthened. I got built up, okay? This is the Lord's Word. Satan's accusation, general, okay. With Satan's accusation, I'm going to put here, remembering again. Satan's accusation again and again causes us to remember. Remember, you're so bad. How could you have done that? David, how could you take the brother's milk last week? David, you always take the brother's milk. And he's told you before, don't take my milk, brother. And you're still using it for more of your cereal. Okay, Satan's accusation always causes us to remember again, okay? All right, the Lord, I'm just going to put, is satisfied with one confession. Okay? Finally, with Satan's accusations, we just are weakened. We just get weakened in our spiritual life. If we listen to that accusing devil speaking to us, eventually we just get so weakened. But the Lord's Word, you know what? We get strengthened. These are some simple points to help us realize inwardly if something is Satan's accusation or it's the Lord speaking to us. Okay? It is God who justifies, right? It is Christ who died and rather who was raised, who is also at the right hand of God who is interceding for us. So Christ is the only one who has the authority to speak something to us, but he never does it in a way that will condemn us or weaken us. He only wants to supply us and strengthen us. Okay. Um, I'm almost done here. Revelation 12, 10, and 11. We've got to read these two verses. Go. Yeah. Okay, the first thing this verse is, verse 11 specifically shows us, is even the overcomers, until the very end, still sin. That doesn't mean that one day you become sinlessly perfect. Okay? If someone tells you that, that's wrong. That's wrong. Because even up until the day the Lord comes, we still, because we live in this vile flesh, sin will occur. 
But, praise the Lord, there's some who overcome. Right? Some who overcome. And the first way we overcome is what? The blood of the Lamb. Listen, the blood of the Lamb, this crushes the devil. We have to learn how to apply it, how to use it, and how to speak concerning the blood of Christ. You know, in uh, Hebrews, I believe it's 12, 24, that verse tells us the blood is something that speaks better for us. It's speaking forgiveness, right? The blood of Abel was speaking what? Vengeance. But the blood of Christ is speaking, forgive! Oh, forgive, he cries! Right, like that hymn says. Okay, so this is wonderful because the enemy is overcome. Praise the Lord, Satan's mouth is shut and he has to flee when we apply the precious blood of Christ. All right, finally, Roman 3, let's read the top, go. Okay, let's skip down quickly to verse 9 there. 1 John 1, 9. Let's just read that one verse. Go. So circle, faithful and righteous. He is faithful and righteous. If we confess our sins, which we should practice regularly, we should practice keeping short accounts confessing so that our fellowship with God is maintained based on the blood of Christ. And then one more verse and we'll finish, and that's verse 19 of Hebrews 10. The first verse, let's read that, ready, go. Okay, circle the word boldness. Boldness. Say it. Okay, now say it with boldness. Go. Oh, that's much better. I tasted your spirit that time. When we enjoy the blood of Christ, you know what? This gives us boldness. Immediately after we apply the blood of Christ, there's no waiting, there's no penance, there's no waiting to feel better. Immediately after we apply the blood of Christ, we have boldness to enter the Holy of Holies and enter and enjoy fellowship with God and fellowship with the saints. The blood is our only stand. And when we apply it, we immediately should have boldness and exercise boldness and believe the blood that has taken away every sin. Saints, what a provision that the Lord has given to us to enact the new covenant, to shut up the mouth of the enemy, to appease the righteous demands of God the Father, to purify our own conscience, to crush Satan's head, and to bring in the Lord's economy on this earth. Wow, we need the blood of Christ. And we need to learn to apply the blood of Christ day by day. Morning by morning, I hope all of us would have the practice of applying the blood of Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. How about you just all repeat after me? Lord Jesus, Jesus. wash me again. Thank you for your blood. Make me white as snow. Wash me today. Praise you for your blood. Hallelujah. I hope you have those prayers every morning. Okay, my time is over.